in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. Uh, Sean is with Hackett Financial in Boca Raton, Florida, and this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America. Also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. And Dry Shod Boots was nice enough to send me a pair of boots, so that's the official work boot of uh, Moving Iron Podcast now. So look at that. Things just keep getting better. Just in time for the blizzard that's coming, Sean. So how you been, <laughs> bud? I'm really good. I'm trying to stay calm uh, in the midst of complete utter chaos yeah do you got uh, duct tape around all your doors and and uh living inside of a plastic bubble or what are you doing over there i'm just i'm running around with uh with uh, disinfectant all day long that's oh yeah just gonna kind of fog yeah because yeah, that's yeah, now, that's as healthy it, right <laughs> <laughs> then i read then i read on there that that's uh, you know could be harmful to your lungs i'm like maybe i shouldn't do the wrong thing now. yeah it's uh you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't it seems like in some of the stuff <laughs> i hear you well, speaking of damned if you do and damned if you don't, man, the markets, I'll tell you what, have been nothing but uh, a roller coaster ride. Whether you're looking at stock market that is down, I didn't, I quit looking, so I don't even know where it's at now, but it's it's down below 20,000 or 18,000 or something like that. It, it's it's really low. Have, have, they have a few bounce backs here and there. Um, corn, soybeans have just been, I think, I think everybody jumped out of every position they had in anything and and are waiting for uh, some kind of rebound to come back because yesterday when I saw 332 on the board and then figured in basis and everything else, that's uh, that's below $3, and uh, that's bad. And uh, so uh, this morning it looks like things have kind of shot back up around 340 right now. Um, had, a, had a bit of a rebound um, here of late, but you, you can't get to hold your breath for everything that you do here because you never know what's going to happen next. One, ha- one hour to the next, one, five minutes to the next, things are changing widely based upon a tweet, a news story, uh, a company. You know, everyone is uh, reacting to this uh, shutting down the economy for a while, and, and it's, you know, no one really knows what to do, really. I mean, we're all trying our best, but uh, it's not like we've been through this. The world's been through this before. We have not been through it. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is, so, this is crazy. Yes, it is. Um, having said that, Markets always bottom when there's the highest degree of uncertainty and where there's the highest degree of fear and pessimism. We would have to believe we are awfully close to trading that in many, many markets. Um, we have pinpointed this week, by the way, this particular week that we're in, as a week that based upon the way markets have traded past pandemics could be uh, when many markets might place a panic low. Uh, and potentially a, a reversal thereafter, and uh, and and it there's a lot of markets that may be in the process of actually doing that. The wheat market, for example, uh, you know, the cow market actually had a limit up day. Uh, you know, uh, from the Tyson fire lows testing from last year, and so so this this is the week that we think it's going to be hard to get too much more negative. I mean, of course, I preface that by saying things things can always get more negative, right? I think it's going to be awfully hard. The VIX index hitting 90 again this week, the volatility. So that kind of fear, I just, we just feel that many markets are just going to 
doesn't mean it's up, up, and away, but we're going to be probably replacing many lows this coming week, a little bit last week. Post, you know, it, it, we think right in the we look back at this time and go, wow, but look at all the lows that have occurred during this period of time. And it could be 332 on corn was that moment yeah. for the corn market specifically. Could be. Yeah, so it's there. I mean, everything. I, I've never seen the board where everything was red. I mean, even gold. Usually, when everything else is collapsing, gold is climbing. But even gold was, and silver both were, were, were going down. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff. So I was reading. We've talked about here several times where we've talked about milk, and that's something that we've talked about in the past, and something that we've kind of kept an eye on with the different things that are happening um, over in New Zealand and Australia and all those areas. So I was reading an article and. They were talking about if this pandemic kind of continues and it does run the course that, that they're looking at, you could see milk prices in the in like like the two thousand eight range, which if I remember correctly, weren't it wasn't all that good of a of a stretch for milk in two thousand eight time frame. So, I guess talk about the milk market and and some of the I mean they just they can't win for trying sometimes it feels like. So I guess talk about what you see happening there. I think it's important to to. to there's a distinction between this time and 08-09. This has been a purposeful depression. We pur- we purposely put ourselves into a depression right now. We the world has willingly done this yeah. for the sake of the highest and greatest good. You can you agree or disagree that they should or shouldn't have done it, but we purposely put ourselves in here with the idea that short-term pain, but then we can remove those shackles and we can get ourselves back on course because. We didn't go into this depression uh, by, by other forces. We purposely put ourselves into this. So uh, that means that I do not believe that a market like milk is going to achieve similar levels like we saw back then. Because back then, we had a, you know, a real estate bubble popping, and the dominoes that fell from that were far and wide. And, and it was a systemic financial and economic problem that had to be remedied. Um, and there really was no quick fix to that. You know, that was a long-term workout. This, the second the virus goes away, let's say mid-April, no one's showing much of the virus anymore like China. And, and the U.S. government says, okay, everyone can go back to work. Restaurants can open. We're back for business. The economy is going to surge, basically. Yeah. Um, and demand is going to surge. So, so while it's a demand-side shock, it's the likelihood that it's going to be an enduring one like 0809 is not likely because the history of pandemics are the short-term shock, the virus goes away, and we get back to business. And so I don't think milk is going to see levels like it did in 0809. I think, quite frankly, I think we're pretty close to some panic lows, especially in like a class four milk market, uh, which is milk powder, right. which the Chinese are the huge buyers of. I mean, that's been crashing. Looks to us like we could be set up there for a load to be had here you know, sometime fairly soon. So we, we, we've been bearish milk. We've been warning about prices heading lower into, into April, but we do think most of that's behind us in the milk market. And we're, we're pretty comfortable it's going to start getting supported in here. As, as, and don't forget, demand at the supermarket level for dairy. I was at the dairy at the food store yesterday. No butter, no milk, no cheese, nothing on the shelves. Yeah. And there hasn't been any on the shelves. Um, for days, so so there, there is demand in there, but it, but it's a delay between when they clear the shelves out and when they put put the food back on. And I think we're at the point where 
you're going to start to see those supermarkets saying, hey, guys, we need, we need some more, and they're going to, it's going to start drawing some demand in for nearby prices. So. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you, man. These, these prices that we're seeing are a complete reaction to what's happening. It's a panic in not, not just the panic in the marketplace, but just the panic in, in, in humanity in general, right? Um, there's a, a website that I've been, I've been following, and uh, John Hopkins University put it out, and it's a, you see it on Fox News and CNN, and they've got the, the world with the little red dots where all, the, where all the cases are, and the bigger the dot, the more people that are there, and it shows country by country where it's at, and um, that, that continues to grow, and it continues to get people even more crazy about what's going on and all the stuff that's happened there. You know, China reported this morning um, for the first time that they don't have any cases, which I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it's you don't know what they what they say is true or not coming out of China. Not too long ago, they were talking about, well, some of these people that were sick that we said weren't sick anymore now are sick again with it, and it's worse than it was the first time. And, and there's just so much stuff that comes out of it that you can't, you can't make heads or tails of. But... I guess you've been doing this for a while. So as you look back in, on these different periods in time, you know, 08, 09, um, early 90s, all those different things that you see happening and stuff like that, I mean, I, I guess how does this stack up and how does this relate to what, to what you've seen happen in the past? I mean, panics are repeatable events. They, are, they, they follow a similar, similar psychological profile. Clearly have the entire global economy shut down is a unique <laughs> is a unique part of this that is a little bit different than the other panics um uh and 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 it is a in other panics certain countries were in super panic mode other countries were less so this is a global i don't think there's a country out there where the people in that country are not in total fear panic right now the whole world is in a complete panic that is a that is something i don't i can't say that everyone it is this is a a a broader panic than i've ever seen before um and um and with that it it, it has brought with it uh, kind of a unique um set of challenges in terms of we're always trying to look at the past to try to predict the future um, and it's always a guidepost, but we really, um, and even though we can go back and say how other pandemics, this is the first time we've had a pandemic global fear of this type in the modern connected society that we live in today. And that's very important. I mean, we were, 1918, we were not connected like this. In 1918, we didn't have social media providing sound bites every nanosecond about right. what's happening. Yep. Um, we didn't have governments that were communicating on it. We didn't have central banks. We didn't have all these things. You know, 99% of the people in 1918 grew, grew their own food. Today, only 1% grow their own food. It's, the whole thing is a, it's different. So while we can go back and say, here's how markets have reacted, we also have to be careful that uh, we've not tested the global monetary uh, modern system and we're not quite sure how this is all going to play out. And that's why we're still in this massive period of uncertainty. Um, and everyone's trying to figure out well, how do we handle this in this world that we live in today, which uh, is good at times and other times it's not so good because we're also dependent more on other countries and, and other 
uh, and others for our well-being than before. We are much more self-sufficient. So I would say overall, though, um, it's still going to follow the path that a virus is going to proliferate and it's going to go away. The panic comes and the panic will go. The longer-term issue, what are the long-term behavioral changes that people will act differently? Yeah. And what, what industries have been permanently damaged and they won't go back to where they were? And that's really what I'm not sure about yet, but that's what the market will try to determine once the panic subsides and the virus goes away, we, we get back to firing up the global economy. And that's what I, what I really think everyone's going to try to, the longer-term picture, that's what everyone's going to try to determine. What does the new world look like post-virus? Yeah. <coughs> no doubt about that, man. There's there's all kinds of craziness happening as far as, as what people are doing. So I have a have a little workout gym here in my house, and it's just some hodgepodge stuff I've picked up along the way. And so I've been thinking about buying some, upgrading my, my gear a little bit and doing some stuff, and I've been watching different things, different websites, trying to figure out when the best sell is. And all the stuff that I've been looking at, that I've been kind of dragging my feet on wanting to buy is all out of stock now. So I guess everyone else decided like, hell, I'm not going to go to the gym anymore. I'm just going to put it in my house. I don't have to worry about it. So, I mean, stuff like that is popping up all over the place. The stuff that you would never think anybody would, would ever run out of are starting to starting to really peak up and what you see happening there. And, and kind of back to your point of, you know, what, how is this stuff going to change? The New York Stock Exchange is going to close for the next, the four trading anyway, for the next, however many days I haven't really heard that part, but a couple of people have found out that they had uh, coronavirus. And so now they're going to trade everything electronically based on hundred percent algorithms of what they're going on. So there's, there's no human emotion. There's no reaction to anything. There's no, Hey, this makes sense for what's going on, but a computer is going to start making the decisions, I guess. So what's your opinion of that? And how, how do you think that, is that something that could be a new norm or do you feel like that's going to be just a short term thing? Well, I mean, we know that computer trading, algorithmic trading, has become a greater and greater portion of our trading in that in stocks and in commodities. But what I also think has just been un un uncovered is how they break down when you get a rogue event, and and that's the key. The the key is these algorithms have been making money hand over fist for years, so long as everything remains in this tight little bubble box. Yeah. Now, when you get into that one percent rogue wave, that is not. Uh, anticipated by the algorithm, it breaks down and it does not know what to do. We have seen hedge fund after hedge fund, algorithm after algorithm, fund after fund go bust using billions of dollars because it broke down. It did not know how to handle this 1% or half a percent event that was not even conceived of in the algorithm. And what that means to me, Casey, is you still need the human element in our markets. You, it, 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 the, the, the computer will can work most of the time. But when it doesn't, it is catastrophic, and you do need the human element in these markets and behind these computer programs, um, keep them honest. And so if, if, I think there was too much faith that was being put into these automatic systems, and now that that's been further long-term capital management, these MITs, brilliant PhDs, they, they figure out a way that could not lose, and then the Russia collapsed, and they had to be bailed out by the Federal Reserve because their algorithm didn't know what to do. This has been going on for a long time, and I think this is actually a good thing. There was a wake-up call that, okay, automation's good, computer programs are good, they, they can do things faster than we can, and, and, and maybe they're more efficient, but they're not the all-all-be-all panacea to the, to the world markets, and the human condition is still important, 
and actually needs to be there. And I think that's actually a positive shift. I don't think we're moving more towards the computers. I actually think we're going to be moving more towards humans watching over the computers more than we were. That makes a lot of sense because there's, like you said, this, this thing kind of went off the rails pretty quick and, and it went off the rails so quick and so fast that nobody could get a hold of it. And by the time they could get a hold of it, it was, it was so, the slide was so far down so quick that so much had been forecasted and, and everything else down the road. And, and I mean, look, you know. look at Ray, Ray Dalio was, you know, the, the supposedly, you know, one of the most successful managers and hedge funds out there. And it was relying heavily on computer programs and lost 25 billion dollars last week it's a rough day that's a I rough mean, day man <laughs> i think you know i mean is he going to survive i don't i don't know if he can I, mean, that's, I don't know how you can that's i mean i mean just think of that 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 you wake up and 25 billion is wiped out because you were watching over <laughs> the ship man, and, and 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 so that boys that by the way, that's not an isolated incident that is an incident that Oh, yeah. It's all over the place right now, and yeah. so humans matter, and so I'm, I'm not. I never wish anything bad on anybody, and I don't wish anything bad on Ray Dalio. Having said that, this is a good, healthy wake-up call that humans do matter. We we should matter, and we do need to be more involved than we have been. And I think this is a positive shift in our markets, and hopefully, though it it will make our markets maybe make a little more sense than this than the senselessness we've seen for quite a few years so okay so the other thing coming up two more things i want to talk about one is a new article out that i read this morning and i've been kind of following along here that brazil we've talked about sugar on here a couple times uh several times and we've, and we've explored what's happening with the sugar beets and sugar cane around the world and everything else brazil has been one of those countries that has a large sugar production thing but it's primarily for ethanol they don't they're there's some that they put into into food sources, but it's it's widely a, a, an ethanol-based product. Now they're talking about adding more uh, sugar to the to the food supply and and less to that and, and allocating more for the food supply, I guess, than what they've seen in the past. So sugar, even during all these ups and downs, stuff, of course, they've had their dip and everything else, like everybody else has. But it's it's going to it's 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 been one of the most consistent things out there. So I guess talk about sugar a little bit here real quick while, we, while we're on that subject. Well, we do, we do know that one of the big bullish factors for sugar um, in recent days and years has been the fact that um, Brazil has been diverting record amounts of sugar cane over to making ethanol, not making the fine sugar. But obviously with the oil market losing over half its value, it's just death for the ethanol margin right. and the ethanol. So now they're diverting as much as they possibly can towards refined sugar versus sugar cane. So it's not that the production has grown from the crop perspective. It's just that there's diverting more. And so, I mean, that is a real fundamental change. So long as crude oil remains, you know, down this low. Now what one could argue the minute that the global economy fires back up and all the demand comes back for crude oil, it should go up a lot and sort of normalize that. But for now, you know, sugar is going to be tied to what the crude oil market does right now. And I, so long as the crude oil market remains in the 20s, I think it's going to be very, very hard for the sugar market to get off the car mat um, because that, you know, that shift in supply is, is pretty substantial. Um, and even though I don't think crude oil is going to stay down here for very long, it's probably not going to rebound for a few months probably. And so the sugar market, is, is my feeling is it's going to find a place uh, – 
that it's going to stay at for a while. I think it's in the 10 cents now, down from 16. And then it'll go sideways while it waits for you know, the crude oil market to go back up. But, but that is a real fundamental change, and it does take some of the supply pressure off the table for now um, and, and has, has clearly you know, changed the picture there. I do think that supply shortages will come back to haunt the sugar market later on in the year. But for right now, it's pretty tough to um, come out from underneath a, a crude oil market in the low 20s. It's just really, really difficult for, uh, you know, when you lose all that sugar uh, demand for ethanol, it's really a tough, tough deal that sugar has to deal with. And remember, this is when Brazil is, is in a big crush mode, right? They're crushing massive amounts of sugar cane. This is the time that they are making all those decisions, and sugar is going to be the recipient of that crushing process into the spring. So we think April, May low, you know, seasonally is, is a low time for sugar, and, and we think that's probably where we would be looking for some kind of a low to form before maybe we come out of this with the crude oil market and, and, and things start to change as we focus on India, on the U.S. shortage, and some of the things going on with the uh, infestation of the desert locust and things that we think could also cause problems. But for now, sugar is probably a tough market to, to bounce much at this point. So. Yeah, it's, everything's just up in the air right now. Yeah. All right, one more thing here. Actually, two things. Well, it was the next thing I was going to talk to you about, and it's it's not – gotten better it's probably gotten worse and there's no inside of saudi arabia and the opec countries beating up on russia until they decide they want to fall in line so i guess i guess what do you see happening there i mean this this is this is probably some uh it's not as low as i've ever seen it but it's it's getting close just remember we talked about this concept earlier Casey, mm -hmm. you know that, that there's a lot of markets where if a particular price were to be maintained for a period of 12 months everyone in the business would be unable to operate Right. Low $20 oil, even the Saudis can't operate for more than foam at that rate. Um, so obviously it's unsustainable. It's a game being played of chicken. It's a game of, of, of opportunistic negotiating tactics that the Saudis think they can get away with at a time when the global economy is shut down. They know once the economy fires up, they won't be able to keep it here because demand will overrun their ability to supply. Um, but So, so I, I would once again view what crude oil is doing as a purposeful decline. I mean, it, it, this is being done by, I mean, Corey would have come down under its own reasons, but, but the extra move down that the salaries have inflicted is purposeful. They, in the long run, don't want $20 barrel oil, and obviously it, it, they're just doing it for a short-term thing. So we, we do, don't believe this will be uh, anything more than a short-term phenomenon, uh, or else there won't be anyone producing crude oil for months from now. And last time I checked, Alternative energy still has not been able to take over the crude oil consumption right. <laughs> market share yet. <laughs> right, yeah. So, yeah. so somewhere here is going, once again, once that virus starts to go away and we see clear evidence and we start firing things up, demand for crude oil is going to overwhelm the Saudi's ability to keep it down here. And what they're hoping, I think what they're hoping for, I can't, you know, I don't talk to the Saudis on a regular basis, but I hope that they're, my thinking is that they're trying to get people to the table before the global economy fires up so they can work out and get OPEC back together again. And it's they're, you know, so they, they think they got this window to do it, and they're trying to make that happen before you know, the crude oil market takes off again and they lose that leverage. So it's an interesting thing to watch, but for now, you know, they're going to be hell-bent to keep it here for a little while. Yep. All right, so the next thing was uh, Thursday is uh, 
export uh, report day. Do you really think that's going to have, regardless of what comes out of that report, do you feel like that's going to have an effect on the market any more than what we've seen here in the last couple of weeks? It will if there's evidence the Chinese are back starting to buy again. Because remember, they are firing their economy back up. Right. I, I agree with you. Who knows what the numbers are with viruses and deaths and infections? I don't believe. But we do have independent in, uh, uh, data points that can show what their actual economic activity is doing. Um, and it is increasing. It's coming off, consistently getting better and better. And, and multiple things that we watch on a daily basis, activities is starting to improve every single day. So they are, they are confident firing the economy back up. So I would have to agree and believe that they're doing it because they do believe they have the virus contained, whatever that means. Right. Uh, so with that in mind, what we're looking for now is, are they ready to buy? Uh, are they ready to start placing orders in soybeans, in pork, in beef, you know, in ethanol, and whatever it is that, that they want to buy? If, it, if, they start, if we start seeing evidence that they are starting to buy, and obviously the price is as low as they are, what a great time for them oh, to, absolutely. To, to deliver on the trade agreement. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, <laughs> they can come to the table and buy a bunch of stuff. And so I think they're going to do it. I, I don't know if this is the week, but there's going to be that week that they're going to do it. And I do think it'll impact the market. I think it'll impact the market a lot. Um, maybe the soybean market's up big today because maybe somebody knows there's a big order that they put in for soybeans today. I don't really know. But, um, yes, I do believe that those are numbers we want to be paying attention to very carefully. Because once they start buying, I think they're going to continue to buy. And, and they're going to very, very quickly be able to make good on the trade deal. It, that, that works for them, and and and, and for us, it, we'll, we'll be thanking, we'll be we'll be glad that they're doing it. Right. Uh, whereas before, we wanted them to run the market up. Now we just want them to prevent the market from crashing any further. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Now I just need you to be a safety valve. That's all we need you to yeah. do right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. All right, Sean. Well, good stuff as usual, man. If folks want to reach out to you, pick your brain, and see what you have to offer there at Hackett Financial, what's the best way to do that? Our website is at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of stuff on there to see if what we do might be of value to your listeners. Right on, man. Well, Sean, uh, appreciate you being on the podcast. Crazy stuff going out there. Um, down in Florida, you guys got coronavirus everywhere, it looks like. So be safe, man. Well, you too. Sounds good. And thank you so much. We'll see you next week. All right, man. I'm Casey okay. Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on social media at movingironllc.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, check out the Moving Iron LLC website at movingironllc.com. Also, check out Global Ag Network and all the great podcasters out there as well. So, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Till next time, let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher